Joe, how do you say it in Japanese? Sakisha ga mukashi no kutsu o yomu. And how do you say it in English? Writer's League de Ori s. Thanks, man. Welcome back to Writers Read Their Early Shit Conversations with authors and artists about the lopsided pleasures of their pre developed, over early, unripe work. I'm your host, Jason Emdy, and my special guest this episode, with squalling cats in the background, is a travel writer, travel advisor, blogger, and international man of mystery. On Facebook, he's John Gifu. He writes as John Asano, but when he was my supervisor, I only knew him as John Davidson. John, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me.、Uh, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm honored to be on the show and、uh, one of the, the first guests here, and I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Thank you for coming on. Before we get to your writing, I've got a couple of、uh, questions for you, okay? Okay, go for it. What were you doing on the night of November 15th, 1980? November 15th, 1980.、Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Let me go back. That's going back、uh, well, over 30 years now, over 40 years, actually.、Uh, have you dug something up on me that I should know about?、Uh, yes. Concerning that date? Or, oh, have you? Okay.、I'm、trying to think. I would have been in elementary school. So I was probably thinking or dreaming about Star Wars at that time. Okay. That's, that's not a bad answer, but it's also the wrong answer. You should have said, Oh, okay. <laughs> I was at Kiss, the Kiss concert, man. Oh, the Kiss concert. Well, I don't know if I was actually at the Kiss concert, but I did have the Kiss lunchbox. <laughs> oh, yeah? Does that make up for it? <laughs> it does. Almost. Okay, nice. Okay. Almost. I, I can be honest with you, in, in elementary school, in primary school, as we say in Australia, I was a huge Kiss fan. Mm-hmm. So, I had the Kiss lunchbox. I had、yeah. all the cards, you know, the collector's cards that、yes. they, they used to have. I had everything to do with Kiss. So,、um, I was remember, really into that. In 1980, that's the first time Kiss ever got to Australia. And it looks like it was pandemonium. Do you remember any of that? Not really. I was too young to remember all of that kind of stuff. But I do know they were huge in Australia. And we look、mm. forward to them coming.、Uh, Fair enough. Zanen. Zanen. <laughs> Zanen, isn't it? True or false? The church、yeah. is the best band that Australia ever produced. False. True. <laughs> in your, really? In your regards? Really? I didn't And know I、that. love the church,、okay. yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that.、Um, I know we've talked a lot about music before. There's just so many great Aussie bands that.、Uh, I, I listen to a lot more Who than, would you say than then, those guys.、Uh, it depends. Like when I was in high school, it was ACDC. That was junior high school. I guess early junior high school was ACDC. Yeah.、Uh, so it was going you know, early 80s type are they, of thing.、Um, but are they re- properly Australian, actually?、Uh, we claim them. Yeah. The two brothers, the, the young brothers, were originally from UK, of course, but uh, uh, we claim them as our own. They, they kind of made their, their name in the Aussie、uh, pub rock or the Melbourne. Pub rock right, scene、yeah. here, where I'm from. So I'm from Melbourne in Australia. So we kind of claim them as our own, as we do with many uh, uh, classic uh, Aussie bands. So they、mm-hmm. were one of my early favorites, but I kind of progressed into、um, bands like Midnight Oil.、Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not sure if you know those guys, Midnight of Oil. Of course, yeah. Oh, you do? Good, good, good.、Uh, well, that was a Crowded big... House. 
Yeah, Crowded Another House. Another favorite, yeah. Yeah, Crowded House. Okay, fair enough. But the correct answer is The Church, yes. So Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> betting zero out of two. I'm not doing too well at the moment. No, this is turning into a <laughs> fiasco. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> next question then. Is it true yeah. that in Australia people get smarter as you move south? That is definitely true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can I guarantee that for you. Yeah. <laughs> so people from Melbourne, where I'm from, are probably the smartest people. All right. Please define the word bogan for me. Bogan. Bogan, yeah. A bogan. Bogan would be someone who's very uneducated. So an un- uneducated, uh, I'm not sure what you'd say in Canada. Um, in Japanese, uh, we'd probably say someone like a inakajin or something like that. So someone who who's from a rural area who has an image of being un, uneducated or not of knowledge of the world type not of person. Not too sophisticated, right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Good good words, yeah. Not too sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I'm getting all this insider dope from a friend of mine uh, from Brisbane, you know, because I said, okay, I'm okay. this guy from Melbourne and what do I need to know? Yeah. And so he was, uh, he gave me some some stuff and he did just mention, he said, call him a bogan. I thought, okay, I've never heard the term. No. So I, I, went, on to, I went on to YouTube. Yeah, that's quite entertaining. <laughs> YouTube, yeah. Videos, man. Lots of drunkenness and fighting. Terrific. You would see a lot of drunkenness, a lot of fighting, uh, a lot of mullets. Mullets. A lot of missing teeth. Yeah, all that stuff. All that good stuff. I did. I did too. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a little um, uh, bogan side to me as well. I did have a mullet for a little, a little bit of time, and my wife still laughs about it too. <laughs> she still brings it up. Years, yeah. yeah. After all these years, she still brings up the photo she saw of me with my mullet. So I will never live it down. I guess. <laughs> all right. Um, I've been to Australia only once, um, but okay. I, I never did get to Melbourne. Tell me about Melbourne. Oh, no. What is that? What kind Melbourne, of place is that? Melbourne is the cultural hub of Australia. It's a sporting capital. It's a cultural capital. So music, sports, food is kind of all centred in Melbourne. So uh, Melbourne has a huge rivalry with Sydney, which is the biggest city in Australia. Melbourne's the second largest city in Australia. But it has such a vibrant um, scene. So you can basically see any kind of entertainment. We have a sports team in pretty much any sport you can think of. Uh, you can see live games on pretty much on a regular nightly basis. So it's just a, a huge entertainment hub. Uh, if you like going out, like doing stuff, uh, it's a place for you. So that's Melbourne. I know you've lived in Gifu for many years. What do you What do you like about Gifu? Yeah, I've lived uh, only in Gifu my time here in Japan. Um, I just love just the outdoorness of it all. So I love the mountains. I love the rivers. I love the hot springs. I grew up um, in a place uh, just outside of Melbourne on the coast. So I'm used to you know, beautiful beaches, um, sea life, that type of thing. So what took me about Gifu was the uh, the mountains and the rivers and all that kind of outdoor type of stuff. I'm also a huge fan of the culture and the history here. So I grew up in Australia being a huge fan of ninja and samurai, like most young Australians. Mm-hmm. So I love that samurai connection Gifu has with uh, Oda Nobunaga, one of the most famous uh, uh, samurai warlords Yeah, in Japan. Yeah, so I love that history here. So I love delving into and kind of finding out new things about him all the time, which is really interesting for me. 
did you did you pick Gifu to come to or were you no processed? not at all I didn't even, yeah <laughs> I, I was processed I didn't know I didn't know Gifu existed before I came to mm. Japan I think I was applying for a job and I had three choices and I think I put Tokyo number one Osaka number two uh Nagoya number three because I think that was probably the, the three biggest cities in Japan at the time mm-hmm. and for some reason I ended up in Gifu I guess it was pretty close to Nagoya I thought, oh, I'll put this sucker here in Gifu and see how he goes and uh, I came here, didn't know anything about it, did a little bit of research before I came here. I knew it had a castle, and I thought, that's pretty cool. And that's about it. It was a you know, medium-sized uh, city, so that's all I knew about it. But I guess I fell in love with it once I got here and got to explore it and find out all its little secrets. Outside of Gifu, what are some of your favorite places in Japan? If, if, if I had to hold you to like a top three outside of Gifu, what would you say? Well, one of them would be in Gifu. I, I have to put uh, Hida Takeyama on that list. Uh, Takeyama is a former castle town in Gifu up in the mountains in the northern part of Gifu Prefecture. It's kind of like my second home, I guess. I head up there quite a lot. And I love it because it's so compact. So you can just explore everywhere on foot. But it has a lot of history, a lot of culture, uh, a lot of old temples and shrines and uh old classic Edo period uh, architecture. I love the food as well. So for me, a big part of traveling is the food, uh, mm-hmm. having great local food and, and of course, uh, alcohol to drink as well. Mm-hmm. So they're known for their local sake. It's a colder area, so it has really good fresh mountain water. So anywhere that has really good water in Japan produces top-notch sake. So they have some really good Japanese sake mm-hmm. as well. So that's on my list just because I always tend to – to go there always kind of attracts me back there. I can't resist its charms, I guess. Mm. It's a hard question. Other places that have a special uh, place in my heart would be, another one would be Kurashiki in Okayama, mm-hmm. which has the nickname of the Venice of Japan. So oh, it's one, one of many there? places. Yeah. yeah, it's one of many places in Japan. There's quite You could you know, have a, a handful of places that claim to be the Venice of Japan. <laughs> but it has a lot of canals uh, there, as you said, because uh, during the, the Edo period, it was a, a place where they would ship uh, rice uh, to, to the bigger cities in Japan. So it's ship rice to Okayama City, for example, then the rice would be moved on to, to Edo or, or Tokyo, places like that. So it's known for its merchant warehouses, its beautiful canal, and they've done a good job of looking after the old area. Like they, they've hidden all traces of um, uh, modern life. Cars are not there. There's no cars allowed. There's no overhead power cables or anything like that. Hmm. So you actually feel like you're back in time. You actually feel like you're back in that period of time uh, in Japan, which I, I really love. So I love the atmosphere there, especially in the evening hmm. when the lights pop on and you've got that beautiful uh, low lights uh, of the canal shining through. A third pick would be, let's see, probably somewhere up north. I'm particularly in recent times fond of the Tohoku area. Mm-hmm. I'm really fond of that area. And the place I went to recently uh, was uh, Aizu Wakamatsu, which is in Fukushima Prefecture. Mm-hmm. And it's another former uh, castle town. It's a really nice castle there and uh, some nice uh, local beef and sake as well. I, I guess anywhere with a castle, anywhere with good beef and anywhere with good sake kind of attracts me. <laughs> Maybe they're my uh, weak castle, points, I'm not sure. Castle beef and <laughs> yeah. You've got my heart. 
I think I gave you shit a couple of years ago for not including Koyasan on your list. <laughs> you of, did, uh, yeah, you did. I remember that fondly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, Koyasan is sort of, it's happening, right? It's becoming one of those places. It is. You know. Yes, it's taken off, yeah. Which is, exactly. which is good and bad, right? Yeah, yeah. Something I, I'm guilty of um, these days, I like to head out to those more uh, lesser known places. So I'm kind of guilty of um, promoting them and getting the word out there. I bet these and, places and then um, ruining you know, them, yeah, and, and then ruining it for other people. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to do a good thing, but it turns out to be a bad thing. Just prior to the pandemic, Japan, the last um, three, four years before the pandemic, had been hitting record numbers each year. They've been exceeding the previous year in terms of the amounts of tourists mm. coming to Japan. So they've been breaking record after record after record every year. So a lot of these more famous places, you know, like Kyoto, like Nara experiencing crowds that they've never had before and they struggled to to deal with it um i know some streets in kyoto you go to gion for example some streets there like the little local alleyways and stuff actually started putting up signs um saying that you can't go down this street anymore or you can't take photos here anymore because so many people were heading down there mm. so many people were heading onto people's private property just to get a good shot of the building or shot right. of something that they they fancied type thing so the tourists were getting to ridiculous levels and just the behavior mm. of the tourists was getting out of hand as well so we need to to rethink that now once the pandemic goes and people start traveling again what can we do to make this better to the writing what were the what were the steps that led you to becoming a, a travel writer and a blogger and all that like how did that happen it, it just started by the blogs i lived in japan for about 10 years and then in 2008 uh decided to go back to australia so i always had the plan to eventually go back to australia one day and decided to go back in 2008 and once i got back to australia I kind of missed Japan and I missed that connection with Japan. So I thought to myself, what can I do to keep my connection with Japan? What can I do to share some of this knowledge and information I have about Japan? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll start a blog. So I didn't know anything about it. I just decided to start one and kind of put some posts together and start posting. And I did that, started sharing some stuff about Japan, um, sharing stuff about my local area where I lived in Australia as well. And then you know, after a few years of doing that, uh, I guess I got noticed and some um, well-known websites or publications started asking me, hey, would you like to write something for us? Oh, sure. So mm -hmm. I kind of got um, the travel work through my blog. Uh, it took a few years of it to, to get going, but I started getting um, people approaching me and asking me if I'd like to write something for them. And that's how the travel uh, work started just leading from the blog. Had you sort of grown up writing stuff? Where did you think of yourself as a writer? No, not at all. I, I did a little bit, uh, of course, stuff at school, but probably the first experience I had with any sort of writing would have been through music. Um, in high school, I picked up uh, a guitar uh, just through my love of music and my love of the Beatles. 
mm. uh, early on and there's grown kind of that age was the, the grunge scene was taking off so i was really into nirvana and uh, mm. pearl jam and all that seattle grunge mm. stuff so kind of inspired me to pick up the guitar and after picking up the guitar and you know strumming around uh, a few chords and um, playing some riffs i started putting down the words and feelings on on paper wouldn't even call it writing it was just kind of putting kind of putting down how I was feeling, I guess, into words, a very short type of um, poetry or short short writing. And that's all I basically did until I started um, blogging uh, and when, when I did in 2008, 2009. Do you remember any of the songs you wrote, any titles? No, but they were very dark. I remember that. So, like I said, I was into the grunge <laughs> yeah. at that, that time. So they were all about... No, I was, you know, what, 17, 18, so going through, you know, yeah, yeah, young adolescence thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, craving girls, you know, alcohol, things like that. So I remember them you know, being dark and being things that I wrote when I was angry or maybe I had a fight with my parents and I put down how I was feeling into words or maybe I really liked this girl and I want to express my feelings, but I was too shy to go up to her and, you know, to tell her directly, so I've kind of write what I wanted to say to her down into words, type mm. of thing. But was this mostly just a private thing for you in your in your? Yeah, room? exactly. Yeah, mm. I was in my bedroom back in Melbourne late at night, and so maybe right. picking up the guitar, electric guitar, so it wasn't plugged in. You know, strumming quietly. Right. Uh, I don't things know. Things would come to me, writing them down. You know that kind I of think, thing. I think a song called "Craving Girls and Alcohol" would be. Would be good. Would it be sounds great. really good. It sounds like sound an oasis. Really oasis <laughs> type girls, of song. Yeah. <laughs> craving girls and alcohol. Strum. Because I had that song, cigarette now, cigarettes yes, and alcohol. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. missed out the girl part. You need the girl part in there as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like that. Craving girls and alcohol. <laughs> the alcohol. That's All a right. catchy title. So you said you you started. A blog in did you say 2008 is that right would it be yeah i thought around that time but when i go back and look at the old post i think it was about 2009 2000 december 24th well there you go, christmas eve 2009 was the first actual post on the blog i put out something simple called welcome to japan australia hmm. japan australia is the name of the blog yeah there so that's the first published post but i think i had the idea around that time yeah what was it that you missed the most when you were back in Australia about Japan? I missed everything about it, the food, the people, the places I visited. And I just had a lot of information. I just had all this stuff in my head that I wanted to share with people, uh, not only in Australia, but people from around the world. And I thought, how can I share this information? Mm -hmm. And kind of blogging was still quite new at that stage, I think, too. So I thought, okay. Uh, people are blogging about this and that. Why don't I blog about Japan, something I know about, so might as well. So that was kind of the the reason behind starting the blog. But when I go back and look at the, you know, the early blog posts I did, it was so inconsistent and I didn't even know what I was doing. I was doing everything wrong. I was breaking all those blogging um, <laughs> commandments that you shouldn't do. I was posting about everything, not just about Japan, but all kinds of shit on there. So didn't really have any focus. So I guess I didn't know what I was doing exactly, but I just wanted to put stuff I had in my head down onto some sort of format. Mm. And that's what blogging did for me. Yeah. Well, that would be my next question then. Like if you could go back and whisper in your, your own ear in 2008 yeah. about yeah. writing or, or blogging, what would you tell yourself? 
Well, the powerful thing about blogging is you can actually go back in time and you can tidy up any old posts that you have. Right. So you can't do this, I guess, with other types of writing, right? This is a little secret. So I've actually, in the past, I've gone back and I've looked at some of the older blog posts I've done and thought, this is crap. Why did I write this? And actually rewritten it. I've basically wrote it again in kind of the style I would write now. I've rewritten stuff, I guess. Uh Yeah. So a lot of the the early crap I've kind of got rid of because they say – uh, we call you. We call in the blogging world. I guess we call your older posts um, your your archive. So your archive, your archive is gold. Hmm. So look after your archives. It has a lot of gold in there. So I've been back over time, and I think uh, I've tidied up stuff and you know, rewritten stuff and fixed all those spelling mistakes and the the grammar misses I've had in there as well. So a lot of stuff I've tidied up. I've made better, but a lot of stuff I've just left as it is in its original condition and it's still crap. So I've got a lot of crap on there as well. So I've got a mixture there. But I guess if I was going to go back and tell myself what I would do differently would be to kind of think about it more, plan more before I actually go ahead and and write stuff. Because I was, like I said, I was just kind of putting the thoughts I had in my mind down into, into words without really planning or without any writing. What I do now is actually kind of map it all out and have like points and then I'll look at those points and kind of put those points into sentences and paragraphs and things like that. It's well organized and well structured. Mm-hmm. But this early form is just just like spewing out the words I had in my head into into the into the, the text basically. Much like you sitting in your room with your guitar. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same sort of format. I'm just spewing out what I've had what I've got in my mind, just kind of putting it right. Getting it out. I guess it's therapeutic getting getting out the stuff I have in my mind, just getting rid of it and putting it down somewhere. That was like the original process. Yeah. Mm. Do you have words that you, you know, you overuse? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I do. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is, do you have things that you hate and you say, I will never use that word. Like I either it's overused in, in blogs or travel writing, or I just don't like it. No, I guess yeah. The first part is probably more more relevant for me, but yeah, there is probably phrases and and words that I use a lot, and that's why these days when I'm writing, I'll go back and I recheck it and see if I can reword it a different way, mm-hmm. uh, use a different word. A lot of times, it's when I'm expressing something, so it might be an adjective or something like that used to express something, you know, how wonderful something is, or how fantastic something is, like that. But then there's this che- the cheesy words that. You see all the time, <laughs> like what? Yeah, get off the beaten track. You know, right, walking the samurai trail. Uh, I, hidden I look, gem. Now this, yeah, okay, <laughs> because I use those a lot, and I think I use them too much. But <laughs> if, yeah, that's what I was sort of wanted to ask you about. Like, yeah, off the beaten yeah. track, samurai. Gem. Experience. So these are the yeah, yeah these are the, the key words. The little Kyoto or something, right? So right, Hidetakiyama is the little Kyoto of Gifu, like that. The, yeah, these are terms that are used. A lot, and I, I think they are overly used, but I can understand why as well. So, looking on the flip side of it, you put these terms into your work from an SEO point of view, like a search engine optimization mm. point of view. Mm-hmm. So, I guess this is not so much the writing part of it, but there is a connection to the writing part. 
this is more looking at it from an analytics perspective. Mm. So some, when someone's searching for your article on Google, for example, they will put keywords into Google mm-hmm. and you want, the, you want them to find your article via these keywords. So right, right. I think a lot of the times you find yourself putting into your article those often used phrases, a little Kyoto or something, off the beaten, off the hidden track, uh, off the beaten track, hidden gem, mm-hmm. those type of things, because those are the key terms that people are putting into Google to find your right. article. So from a business sense, that's why they're there. So you kind of have to, you're making a compromise in a sense, because I understand what we said a little bit earlier as well, that You've, you're using terms that are overly used and using you don't want to be using them for every article that you write, but, but at uh, the same that can time, be the case sometimes. Yeah. If I'm writing specifically for my own websites and there's something I'm thinking about because I want that article to be found, I want it to feature you know highly in Google mm-hmm. and stuff like that. If I'm writing for someone else and I'm not thinking about that as much because it's the person who's running that website who will think about that. But I still have it in my mind. It's kind of like a little mm. point I have in my mind when I'm writing to to make sure I fill up the article with keywords. A lot of times I find myself going to Google and using a, a keyword analyzer tool to find keywords to insert, deliberately insert into articles. So I'm going out of my way to actually probably ruin the writing a little bit to put in these keywords to make sure it's more SEO friendly. It's, so, not, it's not quite as pure as you on your guitar no, in the basement, right? It's not, not, it's more, it's coming from more. But of I a, do find that very interesting right? because it's, why are you doing this? You're to, to get clicks and yeah. views, right? And exactly. Yeah, exactly. There are certain tricks that you can use to, yeah, that is very interesting. And even if you're thinking, eh, I'd rather not say hidden gem, but you know, that's what people are looking for. I'm looking for right. so I'm looking for somewhere in Gifu. So my keywords would be hidden gem, Gifu. And then you get a list of these hidden gems that are in Gifu type of thing. So uh, that's that's a part that's evolved as well. So it's not now it's not purely just putting down everything that's in my head. It's thinking about it from an analytical side of things as well. Right. So how can I improve this so more people find it? Right. Right. That's, so my main focus now would be trying to promote something Mm -hmm. so it's kind of thinking of it more in a marketing sense than anything else so it's kind of destroyed the romantic side of things hasn't it (laughs) that romantic side of things in a garret in paris with a candle yeah and uh candle um, and this dimly lit room just writing purely out of the love of writing yes which i still do but (laughs) it's looking at it from a business side so there's two sides that you're looking at it from as well which makes it confusing and conflicting at times so it's a balance when you're reading other people's blogs and uh travel writing about japan what are the sort of apart from hidden gem and uh authentic experience yeah authentic hidden gem what are some other things that you that you notice and you go okay i i see i see what he's doing there or what she's doing there of course you put that in there because you're writing about yeah a lot of times it's a lot of writers just focus on the on the positive thing so there might of course 
things will have their pros and cons, but they just might be focusing on the pros, not mentioning anything about the cons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, I would always try and mention some of the things that maybe need to be improved. So maybe a, this place is, is a fantastic place. It's a hidden gem off the beaten track. But uh, an authentic hidden getting there, yeah, yeah, authentic hidden gem even better. But getting there is a pain in the ass because right. there's no public transportation or there's a bus every every five hours type of thing. So you need to mention those type of things as well. Make mm. the reader fully aware of of the of the attraction. Okay? So it's a fantastic attraction, but also mentioning the other sides of things as well. There's no English available. There's no right. way of getting there. There's you can only hotel. go there by yeah. taxi. Yeah. There's one yeah. hotel that's always fully booked, you know? Exactly. That type right. of thing. Yeah, um, a lot of writers don't mention those negative things. I, I can understand why they want to promote the place and they want to Sure, and that's kind um, of a, a tightrope, right? Because especially yeah. if you've yeah. been hired by a place to, to promote Exactly, that, you know? yeah, exactly. Let's get into some of your, you know, hits and misses over the years, man. You said the you gems, so the hidden gems, gems right? The hidden gems. <laughs> and John Davis, yeah. John Asano's, uh, yeah, yeah. John Asano's hidden gems. So I was scrolling through this morning. I went back to the first posts I did, and I was looking here, and I had a welcome to Japan, Australia. Okay, it's pretty standard. Hmm. Then the first of a couple of the early posts are highlighting the area where I used to live in Japan, so Gifu, Aichi, Tokai region, Nagoya places like that. And then I was scrolling up a little bit further and I see, hang on a minute, what's this? Some posts about Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus? Miley Cyrus. And I think, what the hell am I doing as a Japan blogger <laughs> blogging about Miley Cyrus? It's a very you, Now you remember, you remember Miley Cyrus, right? Going back to... Very controversial, uh, riding on a wrecking yeah, ball. And... Yeah, she's the one, yeah. Father had the mullet as well. That's maybe what uh, attracted me, her father. Mm. Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah, famous uh, country singer, was known for his flowing mullet. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess when I think about it now, it's like when I first started, I started writing about Japan, but I also wanted to highlight... Um, points about the place where I lived in Australia as well. Hmm. So I lived on the Mornington Peninsula, which is kind of just outside of Melbourne on the bay there. And I wanted to highlight some of the beautiful places we had there. So I guess that's why I kind of caught on to Miley Cyrus. And something I did at the time was any buzz news. I, I had it myself that I hear any kind of news that was kind of trending or buzzing. Oh, let me write about that. Maybe if I'm first to write about that, right. I'll get on number one, first page of Google, and people will find my blog. Okay, uh-huh. let me write about this, even though nothing to do with Japan, nothing like that. <laughs> so the first article of Miley Cyrus, I started the blog December 2019, Christmas Eve, mind you, December 24th, 2019. Mm. This is dated January 7th, 2010. So not, not long after the first uh, blog post. Miley's Love Getaway Down Under in Australia. Ooh. Okay, interesting. It's a title. So let okay. me read it. It's very short. So okay. I think, like I said earlier, I was breaking all the rules of blogging <laughs> when I started. This is probably about 50 words in total. I didn't know right. what I was doing back in the day. So here's uh, the text. Miley's Love Getaway Down Under in Australia. There, I'm repeating the title. One of Hollywood's hottest young couple, not even couples, but couple, comma, teen <laughs> idol Miley Cyrus and Aussie heartthrob Liam Hensworth have been spotted taking romantic walks on the beach on Phillip Island in Victoria, Australia. 
the couple have been rocking along at the Phillip Island Music Festival. Yeah, rocking along. Rocking along. Phillip Island, yeah, rocking along. Phillip Island is one of the most popular tourist destinations in Victoria and is well known for its penguin parade, animal wildlife, and coastal beaches. Miley flew in from London to Melbourne on New Year's Eve after finishing her world tour. There you go. Breaking news from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a blog called Japan, Australia? Is that Exactly, was- yeah. yeah. Now, I guess look, looking at it, Phillip Island is kind of a touristy place that's not far from where I used to live right. in Australia. So maybe I caught on, okay, this is my local area. Let me write about Miley Cyrus. Okay. But some uh, particularly- manga guy in, you know, Seattle who's going, yeah. hey, man, I want some news about Japan. What? What? Miley Cyrus. Let's get my Rocking Australia. along, right? Rocking along in a music festival in Australia. <laughs> Go figure. But here's a kicker. A few a few months later, I wrote another post about Miley Cyrus. Something's happening. Yeah. What's going on there? Something's going on. So this is dated April 30th, 2010. The title of this one is Miley Cyrus Macaroni Cheese Meat Pie. So there you go. It's very Australian. You know, we love our meat pies in Australia. We, Who does We especially love yeah. a cheesy meat pie. Mm. Yeah. Meat pie with cheese, that's even better. And then it's got macaroni in it. Oh, what's not to love about that? So got to love the title. Yeah, Miley Cyrus, macaroni, cheese, meat pie. This one's even shorter than the okay. previous one. It's probably like 30 or 40 words. I can't wait. And this one, can you ready? Here yes. it goes. Teen, teen megastar. Miley Cyrus is still raving about the macaroni cheese meat pie she ate at the Woolamai Doctor Food Cafe on Phillip Island, Australia. <laughs> She's raving about it. Okay. The locally well-known Phillip Island pie shop has now become famous in the US. Business is now booming at Doctor Food, where the macaroni cheese meat pie retails for $4.80. That's Aussie. With locals and visitors all asking for the Miley Cyrus pie. Can I have a Miley Cyrus meat pie? <laughs> there you go. Then I've got a link in this post to Miley Miley's Love Getaway down under in Australia, that previous post. So I'm kind of trying to get some hits back to yeah, that previous some, original some, post about Miley Cyrus, right? So that's a good was, blogging technique. I, I guess I learned a little bit from January to April about including links back to previous posts. So sure. I've improved that skill. Yeah. And then when you said, John, when you said earlier that you sort of had broken all the rules of blogging, could you very quickly yeah. summarize what the rules of blogging are for those of us who don't Well, know? yeah, one of the main ones is make sure you have a decent amount of content. So these days when I write, the shortest, I wouldn't write any less than 250 words. Typically, mm-hmm. I'm writing between 500 to 1,000 words. Mm-hmm. So when, when Google's looking at your post, it will rank posts that have good content higher than posts with crap content. So, you know, something with 30, 40, 50 words is not going to be picked That's up crap by Google because the content is crap. It's not giving the, the viewer enough content on it, okay? A lot of we're repeating the, the, the title in the first sentence. I'm repeating <laughs> right. the keywords. Yeah. I'm not even putting in authentic, unique keywords. You want to get some unique keywords <laughs> in there? Yeah. Uh, full of spelling mistakes, uh, commas, mm. uh, all that kind of good stuff that you love as a, a grammar doctor, I guess. So um, would you just, yeah. in, back in 2010, would you just sort of bang them out and, okay, done? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's done. I banged that out in probably two minutes and it's online. It's live. Right. So the whole process was quick and easy. Uh, it wasn't really thought about. But these days, like I said, I'll start, sit down, I'll plan it. It might take me an hour. 
to write something, but then I wouldn't post it straight away. I'll leave it for a couple of days and think about it and go back and look at it again. Mm-hmm. Got any more old gems? I was looking at one, uh, again, dated, uh, this is dated 2010. This is June 2010. It's kind of an interesting one. Uh, I don't know why I'm writing about this, but I guess it's Japan-related. It's called Divorce in Japan, mm. A Smashing End to Wedded Bliss. This title has meaning. This will come clear, become okay. clear when I read the actual Good. text. But I, I love that. I, I got a laugh at it this morning when I was reading it. A smashing, smashing end, end. with yeah. this. Yeah, I love it. I love those words. So here's the text. It's a bit longer. It's probably about 80 words. Okay. So, so my uh, writing has evolved. So it says, Japanese couples are embracing divorce with a twist. A new ritual is becoming increasingly popular among Japanese couples who choose to end their marriages with the same pomp and ceremony with which they began them. The ceremony involves couples dressed in a wedding, uh, dressed as in a wedding with the groom in a suit and the bride in a gown, uh, surrounded by family and friends. A sparkling ring then appears, which is not placed lovingly on the finger, but the bride and groom are handed a hammer and proceed to smash the ring to symbolize the end of their marriage. The ceremony includes drinking toasts to never seeing each other again, <laughs> elaborate cakes, and consists of a string of symbolic acts to mark the definitive end of a marriage. Hmm. Divorce has been on the rise in recent years in Japan, with now a third of Japanese marriages ending in divorce. So it's kind of humorous. I don't know. I wouldn't write anything like that today, I guess. But um, back in the early days, that was the type of thing I would write, the type of crap I would write, yeah. It's uh, trying to catch a, a buzz or something, yeah. Got a couple more of those or, or what? Probably got a lot more of those. Those are the three I dug out this morning, but, yeah, okay. I haven't really looked at any further. I looked at some of the better ones. Oh, not some of the better ones. I guess you kind of – Ask me to think about it, but not necessarily some of the better pieces of writing, but some of the writing that I'm most proud of, you know, things I'm, mm-hmm. I'm proud of writing. And when I came up, uh, it was not actually on my blog, but um, in summer of 2017, I was asked by Miyagi Prefecture in Tokyo region to go and help them promote um, the area. So they had the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, mm-hmm. which um, devastated a lot of places uh, in that area, especially along the coast. So I'm always happy to go and help those type of places to promote their their tourist uh, tourism industry. Mm-hmm. So I was asking the summer of 2017 to go and, and help them, and I met up with the uh, local prefectural government officials, and they took me uh, to some of the, the touristy places uh, around Miyagi Prefecture to Sendai, the main city there, you know, to some of the uh, the onsens in the mountains and some of the castles that are famous there as well. But they took me to a town that still has an effect, a long-lasting effect uh, on me, and it's a town called Onagawa. So it's like a little local fishing village mm-hmm. there in Miyagi Prefecture. And when the tsunami hit, it was one of the places that was most uh, badly affected. So the whole town was devastated. It was wiped off. The map, basically. Uh, it's a beautiful part of Japan. It's known for its uh, glistening uh, blue bay and it's just beautiful mountains and stuff like that. So it's such a, a, a sad story to, to see what had happened there. But they took me to this town because the locals were proud of how they 
uh, revitalize the town, how they rebuild after the the tsunami and how they rebuild after the disaster. Mm-hmm. So most people in the town uh, had a friend or at least one or two family members who who were taken away by the, the tsunami, who were, who were killed during that time. So they had a, a pers- personal connection uh, to it, but they didn't pack up and move to another part of Japan. They decided to stick with it, decided to rebuild their town and decided to make it better. So if there is another disaster similar to what happened, they're better prepared to withstand the disaster and uh, not be so badly affected by it. So it really had a, an effect on me. And they took me around the town. I had a chance to sit down and talk with some of the local businesses mm-hmm. there, and they told me why they decided to stay and rebuild and what they're doing to kind of generate uh, income for the local area and stuff like that. So I had a really strong connection with me. So I sat down and it wasn't part of the job I was was told. I was just told they'll take you to some places in Miyagi Prefecture and just write some blog articles about them to help them promote the area. So I wanted to write specifically about this place. So some of the articles I wrote were general articles. So I think I wrote just off the top of my head um, stuff about you know, the, the natural beauty of Miyagi Prefecture or the cultural side of Miyagi Prefecture. Well, I was highlighting several different places in one blog, blog article, but decided to sit down and write this one blog article dedicated to this town mm. in Miyagi Prefecture. So that's the kind of effect it had on me. So like I said, I'm not the writing is not, not the best I've, I've done, I think, but I'm proud of being able to to write something to help promote this town and hopefully people have seen this. This is not for my own blog, but it's for a website called All About Japan, mm-hmm. which is one of the main uh, informative websites about Japan. So uh, it got out there. I think it was uh, it got a lot of views, got a lot of hits. Mm. So hopefully it's raised awareness and it showed how uh, places in Japan have uh, managed to recover from the disaster. And I'm not painting a, a, a golden picture. Like these places have not fully recovered yet. This happened over 10 years ago, but these places are still recovering and they're still going through the process mm. of recovering. They're not yeah. fully recovered yet. It's going to take yeah. many more decades before they get to where they were before. Yeah. But I'm proud of the fact that I had a chance to visit this place and I had a chance to help them you know, maybe attract some people to to visit them again and see what happened there. So they've made the town beautiful, they've renovated, they've highlighted um, key local uh, industries, but they've left some of the area on the beach as it was after the tsunami. Oh, so you really? can see yeah. wrecked fishing boats, you can see bits carnage. of buildings. Yeah. Carnage is still there. So you see this beautiful, renovated, remodeled um, townscape, but then you go to the water and you see what's mm. left of what happened with the natural disaster, and that leaves a lasting impression with you. So I, I like how they've done that as well. I love that you're positive about Japan. You know, you meet, meet a lot of foreigners who, you know, even on day one, they've already got a cranky look and they're like, yeah, no, this place is not for me. <laughs> or people who get tired yeah. of it for whatever reasons as the years go on, you know. but. I appreciate and admire your enthusiasm for it. And I love that idea of traveling around, finding little places that, you know, it's not just some guy in Melbourne or some guy in Connecticut that they don't know about it, but 
even long-term residents. And you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should That's check out yeah. Kochi Prefecture or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. That's terrific, yeah. man. I've been here on and off for like more than 20 years now, but I'm learning stuff, new stuff all the time. Every day I learn something new, When I, especially when I get out and travel and I visit places I've never been to. I'm learning more about the culture than I could ever imagine. Yeah. I've discovered before. So I'm always learning new things. And that's part of the joy for me of traveling is discovering new things, discovering stuff I didn't know about Japan, yeah. getting under the skin, getting under the surface and finding out those um those facts and i love that but uh and unfortunately too, because like of the pandemic after, i can't do it even after mm. 20 years there's still so yeah, much yeah. more it's not like oh, so much to know i know everything yeah. about japan now i'm bored no no i always yeah. say i always say to people I've, on, I've only just scratched the surface of what i yeah. know about japan thank you very much john davison this has been <laughs> terrific i've enjoyed it it's been great chatting with you and all the best yeah okay man cheers Many thanks to John Davidson, both for his ancient mullet and for coming on and sharing his insights about the travel writing game. I look for his writing under the name John Asano, that's A-S-A-N-O. And be sure to check out his blog, Japan Australia, which you can find at japan-australia.blogspot.com. Thanks also to DJ Max from Tokyo for the music and for the no longer human Dazaio Samu flavored Castella cake from Aomori Prefecture there. Much appreciated. Thanks to AMD for the artwork and to my son Joe for the intro. Like and subscribe and all that stuff and talk to us on the Facebook page and also now excitingly on Instagram. Back in two weeks with more early shit. Thank you for listening.